please turn with me to uh, James chapter 5. Bible reading this morning is from James chapter 5. We're reading verses 10 and 11. If you've got your Bibles there, you can follow along there or you can follow along with me behind me on the screen. James writes, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of God this morning. Let's pray. Father, today, as we uh, again look into this wonderful uh, letter that James wrote to the, uh, the early Christians, Lord, we want to thank you for the words that are contained in it, because they indeed are your words to us. We thank you this morning, Lord, for the opportunity indeed to be able to gather around your word, to be taught from it. Lord, we ask that uh, as we indeed hear these words spoken and as we read through that passage ourselves, may your Holy Spirit take your truth, apply it to our hearts, that you might continue to do that work that you began in us that uh, through the, uh, the salvation that was brought to us in Jesus Christ. We pray it for his name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, some of you might be uh, familiar with a man called Mark Dever. Mark Dever is a uh, pastor in the United States. In fact, he's the capital of the, uh, sorry, he's the pastor of the uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. He's quite an accomplished speaker uh, in, uh, in Christian circles around the world and also uh, quite a, uh, an accomplished author as well. Uh, he, he says that, um, he says this, he says, how many of us have been influenced by the powerful life of some pastor, elder or other Christian in our lives. How many of us have been influenced by such people? He says, if I mention a faithful pastor whose image crops up in your mind, if I mention a faithful Christian, who do you think of? You could probably add to that a... uh, a, a, a faithful Sunday school teacher or a faithful youth group leader or, you know, you could just go on. The list uh, could go on and on. But I'm sure when we, when we mention those kind of people, there are already pictures, images of people who are coming up in your minds this morning. I think uh, that uh, taking into consideration the, uh, the events of this week and who, uh, and who we've lost in Keith this week, um, I just as I sat down to write this, uh, this sermon... Uh, he was very much on my, uh, on my mind and on my heart. Isn't God amazing how he sort of just brings these things to light at just the right time, hey? Yeah. Examples. Examples. We all benefit from them in one way or another, don't we? In our passage this morning, James himself wants to draw our attention to examples. Examples of those fellow believers who uh, have gone before us, who themselves have endured suffering and hardship, who have remained constant in the Christian life for the sake of their Saviour Jesus. They've remained steadfast and patient despite hardship and difficulties. 
And uh, the reason James draws our attention to them is to encourage us as believers and to inspire us as believers in our faith and our trust in him. Over the past few weeks, we've learned that uh, this whole section of James 5 is all about having patience in the midst of suffering and affliction. James has returned again to this particular issue that he originally brought up at, at the beginning of his letter in, in James chapter 1, verses, you know, those, those opening uh, verses of chapter 1. Particularly what James wants to draw our attention to in, in, in chapter 5 is that kind of uh, patience in the midst of suffering and affliction which is of a, an unjust kind of a nature where we are the innocent victims, so to speak. Yet it's in the midst of these trials, it's in the midst of these hardships that we are called by Christ to shine. To shine as a strong and faithful witness to God in our world today. Now, we all know that it's not probably so difficult to do that in the easy times, in the good times, is it? You know, when things are going well and when you know, we, we really believe that our relationship with God is in a good place and, and uh, circumstances are, are bringing a lot of contentment and joy and happiness to our hearts, it's, it's, not, it's not really that difficult to live that faithful life in those circumstances. But it can be a real challenge when we find ourselves battered by those storms that life no, no, you know, that, that life throws at us, those hardships and 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 struggles and uh, and deep deep valleys that we can sometimes find ourselves in, it's when these serious trials hit that we can be susceptible to that temptation to to question the goodness of our God and the faithfulness of our God, and, some, and, and even go beyond that to even start to doubt him and abandon him in our lives. When we see especially the, the ungodly kind of prospering in our world today, and we ourselves do it tough, we can be tempted like the psalmist Asaph to say, in, like he says in Psalm 73 and verse 13, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. Surely in vain have I followed after this Jesus and, 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 and this Christian life. One of the things which James really wants to point us to in this passage this morning, and I hope will really come out in this message today, is this, is that the amazing thing is that although we find ourselves in these, in these times of, of hardship and, and, and suffering and, and difficulty, we, we can... We can experience some of the greatest blessings of God in the midst of those trials. In fact, some of the greatest blessings can result in the Christian life from such circumstances. And one of the greatest ways that we can shine brightly for God in our world today is through remaining patient and steadfast, through enduring through such circumstances, patiently and humbly waiting on the Lord. Putting our faith and trust completely and confidently in him. James has already gone through and, and, and identified a number of things which can help motivate us to stay strong in the faith, to remain, you know, to, to persevere, if you like. He talks about the fact that he calls us to remember the coming of the Lord, to have that eternal perspective. He speaks about it, that in verse 7 and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and verse 8. 
He says, sorry, in verse 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. He's saying, you know what? This is not all that, that life is about. We have got a confident hope as believers in Jesus Christ that one day Christ is going to return and he's going to put everything right. He is going to right every wrong and he is going to judge justly. And he is going to reward those who have been patient and steadfast. He reminds us that Jesus in verse 8 is the righteous judge and that he's close at hand. That he himself is the one who will exercise proper justice in his time. And in order to be able to, 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 to enact that proper justice, it means that Christ needs to have seen everything. He needs to have known everything. And that's the confidence that we can take today, is that Christ indeed is the one who does know everything. He knows about all of the struggles, your day-to-day hardships and, and trials in this life. He knows all about the injustices that come to us. He knows. He knows so wonderfully and, and, and amazingly well every intimate detail of our lives. And he can be trusted. Now in verse 10, he points us to the example of the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The Bible often points out the terrible treatment that the prophets of God receive for their obedience in carrying out God's purposes. Let's consider for a moment the prophet Jeremiah, who was called by God to proclaim his message of judgment to the people of Israel, of the God's people in his day. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, we hear about God's call to Jeremiah, where he says, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. That was God's commission for Jeremiah to go and preach this God's message to the people, this message of judgment, but also ultimately salvation in Jesus Christ. In his role as prophet, though, Jeremiah would have to endure incredible uh, rejection, constant rejection, constant hardship in his life. He was attacked by his own family. His own family turned on him. His townsfolk, those people who he grew up amongst, they turned on him. They ridiculed him and, and opposed him and persecuted him. We are told throughout his, uh, his book that he was put in stocks. You know, those, those um, stocks in the public square, you know, the old, uh, the old medieval kind of uh, things where the person's head and arms were put through. He was put in stocks, he was, he was imprisoned, he was beaten and he was thrown into this muddy cistern, probably up to his waist in this mud. He couldn't move and he was, and he was just left there to die. On top of that, we're told that he was to remain unmarried and to have no children. Can you imagine the loneliness of this man? As he confronted all of this persecution and rejection and, and, and opposition to, his, to the ministry that God called him to and he had no one whom he could go home to and, and be consoled by. 
Now, the reason God called him to, to remain unmarried and to have no children was because as, uh, Jeremiah's life was to be a visual symbol to the people of God of their spiritual barrenness. Yet in spite of all of this, in spite of all of what Jeremiah went through, he had this to say in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. He says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me, he says. But this, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Yes, Jeremiah was able to admit the hardship in his life, the struggles, the, what he calls the, the wormwood and the gall. Yet he says, but this I call to mind. In this I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord and of his mercies day by day. Then there is the prophet Hosea who was also asked by God to walk a path of grief and anguish. A kind of grief and anguish I think that few of us could probably even comprehend. His life too was also to be a visual symbol to the people of Israel about God's work and about their condition before God. Hosea was told by God to go and marry a woman called Goma who was a prostitute. And Hosea loved us, loved her, and cherished her, and, and provided for her, and cared so tenderly and so well for her, and yet time and time and time again we are told that she would continue to, to, to return to her old way of life. She continued to be unfaithful to Hosea. And of course it was a picture of the nation's unfaithfulness to God. Not only did Hosea have to endure that, but he also, the, the people to whom he preached that message, the people to whom he lived his life in, in a public display, if you like, they continued to ignore his message. They continued, their, their ears and their hearts continued to remain hard to his message. Yet we're told that Hosea remained true to his calling. He remained faithful and steadfast in the midst of such a difficult life. Of course, we could, like the author of Hebrews, go on and speak about others in, in the great uh, faith chapter of, chapter 11 of Hebrews. You know, the, the, the writer talks about Abel and Abraham and, and Jacob and, and, uh, and Moses. And he goes on by saying, And what more can I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and so on and so on. When it comes to the prophets, we could also go on and talk about people like Moses and Elijah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and John the Baptist and, and many, many others. All who were persecuted for their faith. All who had to endure opposition and hardship and struggle in their lives. All who suffered for their obedience to God. 
And of course, our most supreme example in all of that is Jesus himself. Jesus in the New Testament told the parable of the tenants in Matthew 21 in that he pointed to the way God's people had treated the prophets. How terrible they had treated them, how they had persecuted them and how they had killed them. He referred to the Pharisees as the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Stephen, the, uh, the, the New Testament elder in the church, in speaking to the, uh, the Jewish religious ruling council of his day when he's called to, to stand trial before them in Acts 7 says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? In other words, he's saying, you know, you treated God's prophets, every single one of them this way. You persecuted them and opposed them and oppressed them. Folks, as the people of God today, that is what we ourselves have to understand when it comes to living out our faith for Jesus Christ in this world. We ourselves will have to undergo persecution and hardship and difficulty and opposition for our faith. Not only that, God will will sometimes allow in our lives times of, of hardship and difficulty for us, for his purpose in our lives. Because as we go on, what we, what we see in this passage in James is, is one of the, the, the things which we really need to focus our minds and our hearts on today, our eyes on today, if you like, and that is that God can bring good things out of hard and difficult times. Now, even though we would like to consider that being faithful to God in our lives, as much as we would hope, you know, would, will bring about a trouble-free life, in actual fact, it can be the reason and cause for our suffering. It will not necessarily shield us from hardship. But what it does guarantee us is great blessing. Is great blessing. It's hard to, to, uh, to reconcile the two, isn't it? Hardship, trial, struggles with blessing. That's not how we view blessing in our, in our world today and in our lives. But yet in verse 11, James says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, referring to the prophets. Those people who endured, he said, we consider those people blessed because they did remain true to Christ. And for us today, as the people of God living in our culture, in our context, at this particular point of time in history, we too can be numbered with the faithful prophets and saints of old when it comes to being an example of living a faithful life in Jesus Christ in the midst of hardship. What a great legacy to be able to leave to those who come after us, don't you think? Yes? In verse 11, James goes on to give another example, that of Job. Job himself is is an example of, 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 of steadfastness in the midst of unimaginable and unexplained suffering. Sometimes it's easy to cope with the suffering if we, if we know the reason behind it. But for Job, none of it was explained. We read in Job, particularly in the opening chapters of Job, that he was a man who was so well off in his life. 
was incredibly wealthy, was incredibly um, well, uh, you know, sort of a man of great standing in his, in his community. He was a person who had a, a large and, and, and wonderful family. And we read that Satan goes to God and he says to God, oh, he says, you know, Job would only love you and follow you and, and remain true to you if you continue to bless him, if he continues to do well in his life. And so God gives permission to Satan to go and, and bring havoc, if you like, in Job's life, but he wasn't to actually touch Job's life itself. He wasn't allowed to kill him. And we read that at that particular point in time, Satan goes out and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, all of his, his riches, all of his flocks and all of his livestock and everything are all wiped out. And all of his children who are there in a, in, a, in, a, in a house, the roof comes down and all of his children are killed all in one hit. On the same day, his, his servants just keep coming to him and giving him this, this heartbreaking and tragic news. And we read over those words and, as, and gloss over them as though it's just, just a, a story we're reading. But this is, the, this is the record of a man's life who all of a sudden has all that is dear to him, especially his family, wrenched from his grasp. Can you imagine the, the tragedy and the, and the heartbreak that he's feeling? That someone has just ripped the very heart out from his chest. And yet although Job gives voice to his pain and his confusion, he refuses to blame God. He refuses to blame God. Even though there are, there are many times throughout the book that we read that he's encouraged to do that. When he's told of the tragedy of, 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 of losing his wealth and his children, Job replies, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job's wife said to him, you know, when she hears the news, she says to him, just curse God and die. Curse God and die. What's the point anymore? Job says, shall we receive good from God and not receive evil also? There's a sign, folks, of incredible trust and faith and submission to God in a person's life. What we go on to discover in the example of Job is that there was a divine purpose in his suffering. James speaks about it here where he says, You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. You have seen the purpose of the Lord in his life. The readers were able to you know, look back in, in, that, in that, that, illustra- that, that example of Job's life and see the purpose of God, even though it was completely oblivious to Job. They had that, they had that privilege, just as we do today. And in this, the purpose of God, we find the blessing of God. 
Satan thought that by taking away Job's earthly treasures, he would turn his back on God. He thought that his faith was only real when things were going well. And so God allowed Satan to do those things. And he did it to prove Job's, the genuineness of Job's faith. Now, can I ask you this question this morning? Who do you think God was proving that to? Do you think God needed Job to prove his faith for God's, for God's point of view? No. Then who else? Satan, maybe. But what about Job himself? What about the man himself? Not only did Job's suffering prove the genuineness of his faith, what it also did is it strengthened his faith. Having endured that hardship, we can see that that Job himself would have had that confidence later on in his life to know that he himself could, could continue to trust God in those hard times in his life and have victory over them. If, you can, if God was able to help Job survive those kind of tragedies, what, do you think, what other things do you think God could bring against him or Satan could bring it against him or anyone else could bring it against him and him not overcome? It's like Paul writing to the Romans where he says, you know, if you think of, of all this trial and hardship and, you know, and all that sort of thing, he said, you know, if you think that can take you from the love of God, you, you just got it wrong. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. God's purpose in the trials of life, folks, is to refine us and to purify us, to strengthen our faith, and to prove the genuineness of our faith. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, again going back there, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. Paul talks about a similar thing in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, which I'm not going to read this morning. And the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 to 7 says this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And then he goes on to say, in this, in that fact, you rejoice. That is the reason for our rejoicing because of all that is ours in Christ. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And he goes on to give the reason for that. He says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though that, that, that it perishes and though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Did you consider your faith today to be something more precious than gold? Because it is. 
That faith that we have in Jesus Christ is the most precious and most treasured possession any of us could ever hope to have in our lives. And God is refining that faith and he is building that faith and he is strengthening that faith and he is bringing it more to a complete faith in order for his good and for our good. In Job's example, we see that not only did it, did it test and, and prove his faith, not only did it increase his faith, but it also, in the end, Job's blessedness was increased. Having been through that, God blessed Job even greater than he had been blessed before. Let me read to you Job chapter 42 verse 12. It says that God blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Job blessed the latter days of Job. So God blessed the latter days of Job even greater than his beginning. Does that mean the sadness and the heartache of Job that in losing, you know, his children before, does that mean God just, you know, smoothed over that and he didn't worry about that anymore? No. Of course not. He still felt keenly the loss. But yet in the midst of that, God blessed him even more abundantly than he had done previously. And yes, God increased his flocks and his herds and that sort of thing and he had, and he had more family. But I think there's an even greater blessing that, that we need to be reminded of here today. And that is the blessing that comes to Job through those experiences he went to, that he went through and the experience and the relationship that he now enjoyed with his God that was deeper and stronger and more intimate than he had ever, ever experienced before. In fact, at the end of Job, we read from Job's words, and he says, you know, God, I had heard of you, but now I see you. Now I see you with my own eyes. Job experienced something of God that is beyond comparison. He experienced firsthand the compassion and the mercy of God in his life. James says, he says, And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Folks, this is God's character. This is the very essence of who God is. He is merciful and he is compassionate. Jesus himself, when he was here on earth, was moved in his, in his very core of his being with compassion for the people around about him. Those who were struggling and who, who had hardships and who were hurting and who were lost to God. He's, he was just so moved in the very core of his gut by their situation and condition. He was moved to incredible compassion for them. That's who God is. That's who God is today because he never, ever changes. And the blessedness that that, that Job experienced in his latter days, more than what he did in his beginning, is a pointer to the guarantee that we have as believers in Jesus Christ of the hope of our future.
That God will indeed bless us in the latter days more than in the beginning. When we are finally at home with him in heaven, we will know the incredible and absolute and complete blessing of God forever and ever and ever. And all of this world and all of its hardships and all of the trials will just fade away. Will just fade away in light of the glory and the majesty of his face. And of the compassion of his presence. Do you want to go? Do you want to grow closer to God? Do you truly want to grow closer to God? Well, can I say that the pathway to this is often through suffering and hardship? But can I say it is so worth it? God says to us today, it is so worth it. Here we have the examples of how to live a faithful life of patience and endurance in the midst of suffering, even unjust suffering. Folks, it can be done. It can be done. And today, as you sit there in those pews, pondering about your own life and about your own struggles and your own hardships and the things which you think are just insurmountable in your life, the things which take you to those, those dark places in your life, God knows. God knows. And if you trust in him and if you look to him and if you submit yourself to him he will bring you through and he promises to bring blessing in the midst of that and through that not just to you but also to others around about you who see your faithful witness we're going to in a minute hear an item I've asked uh, Rochelle and Grant and Janine to come and uh, bring this item to us this morning. It it's, talks about God's blessing can take strange forms in our lives. God's blessing can sometimes and can oftentimes take strange forms in our lives. And as I said, right now you might be, might be struggling and wondering where is God in the midst of this? Can I urge you and encourage you not to be in too much of a hurry to get out from underneath the burden. Can I encourage you today not to be in too much of a, of a hurry for God to just take it from you and to be released from it? Because what God is saying to us and what I believe is, is very much evident in this passage in James is that if we do that, if we try to get out from under it too quickly and too easily, we will miss out so much on the blessing that God wants to bring to our lives and we will miss out on, on being a witness, a strong witness for him in this world today. So as you listen to this item, just reflect on those thoughts. Thanks, guys.